Welcome to the Center of Gratitude with your host, the Gratitude Guru, Dr. Johnny Bergstrom. And a very happy Monday to you. Welcome to the Center of Gratitude. I hope your week is off to a great start, and I hope you are delighted. And I'll use that word. I like that word. Delighted with the outcome of that incredible Super Bowl game last night. If you did not stay up to see it, I'm sure you've heard all about it today. So with that winner's mentality, what a great way to start off my broadcast today about the ultimate motivator with gratitude. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Dr. Johnny Bergstrom. I'm the host of the Gratitude, um, excuse me, the Center of Gratitude. I got confused. I'm also the Gratitude Guru, and I work at the Center of Gratitude. And after all, it is Monday, so here we are. I'm broadcasting from Jupiter, Florida, in the United States of America. And while the Center of Gratitude is a global show, we are international. I am so excited to bring to you my show about motivation. You can interact with me on social media as we are here together on the air. If you are a Facebook user, you can go to facebook.com slash the gratitude guru, facebook.com the center of gratitude. Twitter users, my handle is at TCG radio show. Instagrammers, my handle is at the gratitude guru. My website is thegratitudeguru.org, and LinkedIn subscribers can find me as Dr. Johnny Bergstrom. I am a metaphysician whose specialty is in gratitude, and today we're going to kick off February with motivation. So January was kind of a mixed bag. I would think that most of you would agree with me that January, let's just say January has a weird sense of humor. January definitely threw a lot at the world, and we are not alone over here in the U.S., so we are, we are down the month. So we are into February. We are six days into February, which means that out of 28, we have approximately three weeks left of the month, so let's make the rest of the month a thrilling three weeks. Today, I will be delivering to you the ultimate motivator. Now, if you woke up this morning and took a look around, remembered what happened last night, maybe you were happy. You're happy. Maybe you looked around this morning and paused for a moment and said, nope, and went back to sleep. This is the show for you. If you were at work listening to this while you type away, because that's what happens on Mondays, this is the show for you. If you are overweight, if you're obese, if you're battling addictions, if you're dealing with bullies, dealing with adversity, struggling to develop your own identity with confidence and conviction, I want to say welcome to the center of gratitude because this show is for you. Today's show is a half an hour. I usually try to do shows as more of an enticement to the busy folks who may have a short commute, a long commute, a substantial wait in line at Starbucks. If you didn't mobile order, you know who you are. So if this is your first show, they aren't usually 30 minutes. I also find that, you know, there's a beauty in the shorter shows, so you can listen to multiple shows and focus on absorbing one thing at a time. I am very aware that you have much more to pay attention to in your life and that I'm just popping myself in there, so I appreciate you taking the time to hear how I suggest that you create your ultimate life. Now, if what I teach and share with you is impactful and if you truly absorb what I'm saying and put into practice the directives that I give you, you can live the ultimate life that you've been creating in no time. 
Now, the ultimate motivator this month features a story of a life that began in hardship, developed despite hardship, and despite many other hurdles and potholes along the way to the very happy middle. The story does not have a happy ending because the life is very much in progress. So it has a happy middle. This is a story that features a firsthand perspective in overcoming adversity, bullying, obesity, anxiety, depression, self-loathing, and reaches a tipping point that then spirals into one great experience after another and another and another, a life that was changed and completely flipped with gratitude. I can't wait to share this with you. So the ultimate motivator is coming up in a few minutes. So allow your mind to wander for a second while you enjoy my little bit of an interlude here. And I recently spent a bit of time asking multiple people where they get motivation from. So what is it that motivates you? What makes you do what you don't want to do, as well as what you do want to do? The reactions that I received were were very, very unique, and they were very reward or results-oriented, as one would generally presume. And what I found interesting was how much the type of reward differed. So let's, let's have a foundation here. Motivation comes from desire. There has to be a propelling force or want in order for one's motivation to be born or sparked. Motivation comes from inspiration, which comes from thought, thoughts that are based in feeling good, right? No one wants to do something undesired. So we obviously have wants in there somewhere. We have to look at those motivators and see how they would play into living an ultimate life. Think about what an ultimate life, like it's not just a minimal life. It's not the sub, you know, it's kind of good life. It's the ultimate life. I mean, what does that mean to you? That's why we're here, isn't it? To create ultimate lives. I want you to know something. Let's get something very clear right now. You are pretty awesome. Did you hear me? Was there a train sound? You are pretty awesome. Did you know that? You do all of these wonderful things for all these other people, whether you realize it or not, whether they realize it or not, and you take care of everyone else. But do you take care of yourself as well? Do you make the list? For the same reasons that everyone else makes your list, you should make your list. For example, your employer is lucky to have you. Think of your personal, unique Signature contributions that signify your work performance and ability. Is it your follow-through, follow-up, initiative, commitment, reliability, integrity? What makes you so great? This is often where I have found that we drop the ball. No football pun intended. That just happened. Hey, hey, smile for me. What's up? So we have a hard time talking about ourselves and how great we are. That's where we drop the ball. But why? Is it because we are so conditioned to be humble that we just completely disregard our own existence? Why is it so difficult for us to take compliments? I can say with complete confidence and non-arrogance that I am loving, kind, 
thoughtful, generous, gifted. You might want to sit down. I have quite a few. Talented, brilliant, empowered, a good singer, determined, definitely, dedicated, personable, funny. See, I just cracked a joke a second ago. Impactful, reliable, punctual. You betcha. Compassionate, athletic, in great shape. Okay, I'm working on that one. I have fabulous hair. Yep. And a beautiful smile. Yep. I'm not arrogant, but I'm also not going to wait for the world to give me those compliments. The quicker you give yourself compliments and the better you can get at accepting who you really are, the faster you can get online with creating your ultimate life because you know that you deserve one. There's a very big difference in being confident and being arrogant. So has anyone ever said to you, what makes you so great? How did you answer? How would you answer if you were asked? Maybe with doubt? Well, I think I'm a good person, and I think I'm this, and I think I'm that. Where you allow that kind of phrasing about how you think you may or may not be, that's where you introduce doubt. It's almost like waiting for the other person to validate or reassure you as to pay you a compliment rather than to agree simply that you are just wonderful. Think until you know, beyond question or debate, how great you are and be able to itemize why. So consider this. If you are surrounded by enablers, you'll do what you're encouraged to do, right? If you're surrounded by critics and criticism, you'll feel suppressed and belittled and inferior because you allowed it. However, if you have a different or certain opinion of yourself and how wonderful you are, you would be impermeable to the feelings of judgment or disapproval or rejection from others. You have everything you need to create and live an ultimate life within you right now. You just have to get some clarity, preferably some extreme clarity about what you want, the how. You create your ultimate life is not your concern. Your only job is to think of what you want. Let the universe figure out how to do it for you. Let the universe do it for me. You mean I don't have to do anything? No. All you have to do is think about it. That's all you have to do is start thinking. And, you know, if you don't know how great you are, how can you possibly expect to create greatness in and as your life? It has to come from somewhere. It comes from within. And if it's coming from a place of doubt, you will live without. If the patriots thought, oh, I think I can do it. I'm not, I'm not sure. But I think once we get to halftime, if, you know, if there's a, wait, New England patriots. Oh, what if I park the car or the ball? What if we spike the ball over there and then we start over here and then we end over there? I mean, you can color it however you want. I have to inject humor in there somewhere. But if you think that way, well, we might do it. Okay, that's exciting. What about we are going to do it? There is no option. There is no choice. You have no choice but to do this. You have no other option than to win. Do you think you're going to go lose? I don't think so. Transition that into your life. If it comes from a place of inner certainty where there is absolute confidence and definitiveness and of greatness, then such, let me say that again, because I know I just swallowed that. If there is absolute confidence and definitiveness of greatness, then such will manifest in and as your ultimate life. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to take a second and I'm going to let you think about that. And, you know, many people are motivated by money. Why do you go to work? Um, Because I need to pay my bills. (laughs) Because I enjoy eating food and drinking wine. Did I just say that? I did. And having the freedom to do what I want. I like money. So is the motivator just the money? I don't think so. Money appears to me as a motivator, but money gets stuck. Money just grants you the access to do what you want or to have what you want, whether it's your money, your money, or someone else's money, money is access. We've all been given something, whether a thing or an experience on the dime of someone else. So let's say you have a wealthy friend who's really connected. Ooh, we like them. They have the fancy everything, and they live the life you dream of as your own, or at least parts of it. You may view their life as ideal. Wow, they can go anywhere, do anything, shop anywhere, own anything. Their life is limitless and infinite. Why would you think that? (laughs) Because they're rich. Duh. Okay, let's examine this for a second. Based on what I just said about money being access, would you rather be the wealthy one or the connected friend of the wealthy one? Unless a wealthy individual is a total recluse, they're going to want to enjoy their life and their access with someone else. So why shouldn't that someone be you? You don't have to own the whole shebang to be happy or to enjoy the fruits of access. You just have to be you. Be the awesome friend that you've always been because of the awesome person that you are. And your own access will be granted. By thinking that you will only have access if you make it yourself, if you have to do it, you're limiting the infinite ways that access can be granted to you down to just a couple. As long as you keep your mind closed off to all of the possibilities, your life will always resemble a narrow vision of only what you think this little itty bitty can be. Entertain all options and you will be given an all access path to an ultimate life. Now, just to be clear, I'm not saying that only the wealthy and friends of the wealthy have ultimate lives. Plenty of rich people are miserable. So just get that out of your head. An ultimate life is one that is ideal for you, so it's not just about money. It's living as if all of the I'll be happy when, you know, those circumstances, when they're already in play. So an ideal life for you might be one that is simple, minimalistic, uncomplicated, that kind of existence where you aren't rich, but you don't worry about money. You get to go to work because you actually enjoy what you do and who you do it with. And you have time to rest and vacation when you want to, and you enjoy where you live and your communities and what you live in. Did you know that the primary factor in creating and living your ultimate life is the motivation to create it? Motivations are always choices. They are methods we use in order to entice ourselves to do, well, anything. Motivation is the learned representation of the law of cause and effect. The law of cause and effect, I'll paraphrase, states that to each cause or thought is a result or effect. At the center of all motivation is desire. 
According to leadershipcentral.com, there are two types of motivation, intrinsic and extrinsic. The way that I understand their explanations is that what motivation, the intrinsic motivation occurs from within, but doesn't require some exterior source of validation or trophy or form of praise other than the praise that happens inside oneself. So no trophy, no celebration, just achievement noted within. The opposite of that is extrinsic motivation, which requires some outside stimulation to do it. So a screenwriter might feel motivated to write the Oscar-winning script by the anticipation of being recognized with the Oscar. A fifth-grade class might behave perfectly for an entire semester for a day-long field trip in a super-stretched limo and a pizza party. At least that's what I thought was cool when I was in fifth grade way back when. Pizza and a limo? Yeah, that would have been enough to keep me from talking in class for 18 weeks. Speaking of talking, I keep getting ahead of myself here. I guess I need to get onto the ultimate motivator. Let me take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk about the ultimate motivator. Hang with me. So the ultimate motivator for February is this story of a young man who grew up in a single-parent household, was the youngest of four children, had a Sunday relationship with his father, and who struggled to make friends. That is, until he made a friend in food. At five years old, his weight battle began when food became the steady in his always-changing reality. By seven years old, his father had cycled through numerous girlfriends while his mother worked tirelessly to provide for him and his siblings, including one with special needs. It was also at seven years old that being bullied at school began. Every single school day, waiting at the bus stop, being targeted by the older kids because he was kind of chubby, had beyond orange hair, and was so white that the kids in his second grade, yes, second grade class, told him his skin was as white as cocaine. In fact, they even called him cocaine for a while. Being one of two white children in his second grade class made him an easy target since all he had to do to stick out was show up. One second grader, who should have probably been a fifth grader, even thought it would be fun to choke him one day in class, just because. He was able to change schools, even attending a private Christian school, and his weight problem didn't stop, nor did the bullying. He was the only child in his fourth grade class who couldn't do a pull-up in P.E., but had a high enough intellect to eat lunch with the teachers so they could talk politics and science. Smart, orange-haired, and interested in everything but kids his own age and sports. Fifth grade came, and it was back to public school. Tuition was tough on his family, so back to the elementary school where he conspicuously existed, except that year was different. He had made an ally in his teacher, and through the process of keeping and turning in a daily journal, he could communicate with his teacher privately about anything, personal stories or struggles. And for the very first time, he had made straight A's on his report card. It was also in fifth grade that he realized that he had feelings for another boy. He had yet another quality of his self-identity that he could add on to the orange hair, paper, white skin, chubby, or as it was referred to then, husky build and crooked teeth. 
he was gay. Big deal. Nothing evolved from the boy crush, but he knew he was different. It was in sixth grade that he would finally gain more than weight. He would meet his best friend. He gained more weight, his hair turned darker orange, and the bullying continued. A group of kids at his new bus stop for middle school thought it would be fun to destroy his bicycle by slashing the tires, twisting off the seat, and laughing in his face in a haunting, taunting way as the bus driver told him that he could not take the bus. He was not allowed to take the bus because he lived on the dividing line of bus service to school and wasn't allowed to take it because he lived too close. As he got off the bus, humiliated yet again, he returned to get his bike to go home, only to find it in multiple pieces. As he walked his ugly bicycle home, broken, just like him, his self-esteem vanished. Food became an even better friend. By the end of sixth grade, he was accepted to a local performing arts school to study theater, and he, along with his best friend, embarked on a new journey together elsewhere. He didn't have the self-esteem to feel the pride of his achievement. He was just focused on getting away from the daily torture. One would think that a performing arts school would be a safe haven for a chubby, orange-haired, crooked-toothed gay kid, but alas, not the case. The bullying continued, the mocking continued, the rejection continued, the first heartbreak occurred and nearly destroyed him, and it was no surprise that by 17, he contemplated suicide. The antidepressants began, the psychiatrist visits began, the outside analyses, more judgment of who he was continued. When he was 18, he moved to Los Angeles to continue his theatrical studies at a prominent conservatory, and within 10 days of moving there, would be hospitalized from an act of hate. It was through the kindness of others that he was able to make it through that year of his life too, before he found himself back home just after that year to regroup and to find himself. At 22, at probably more than 300 pounds, he decided that enough was enough and it was time for him to change. Extreme life overhaul was required. He sought guidance from a world-renowned weight loss company and learned how to eat. Within a year, he had lost more than 100 pounds and would go on to work for the company, motivating more than 1,000 people per week with his inspiring story, charisma, fun approach, and real-time example of practicing what he preached. He was introduced to The Secret, the film by Rhonda Byrne about the law of attraction, and he began to think differently. His life began to change. The negative people who he had surrounded himself with faded out of his life and his focus furthered on developing himself. For the first time in his life, at the age of 23, he began to feel good about himself. His self-esteem increased dramatically, and he felt worthy and attractive enough to get out and date. He began to make that huge life overhaul he had set out to achieve. But what was it that helped him change? He was surrounded by positivity. His thinking was primarily based in the positive. From the efforts he was making to change his life, people began to join his life because of his altered way of thinking. His daily life practices changed to eating properly, exercising regularly, and finding a voice that had an impact on others. Someone who felt so hated by life, so rejected by everyone and everything, so bullied into thinking that he was worthless and might as well go kill himself because no one wanted him around, managed 
to decide for himself because of himself in spite of everyone else that he mattered. He had something to contribute to the world, and he had a force within him that would not accept defeat. The force within him that would not accept defeat began to understand that in order to continue to change his life and make it everything he'd ever wanted it to be, he needed to go within, and he needed to ramp up his focus on the teachings of the secret. He began to listen to the audiobook in his car as he crisscrossed his county for work to absorb and affirm what he was hearing so that he could do just as he was being reprogrammed to do, to create a magnificent life. As years passed, he grew stronger within himself and gained more clarity and sharpness with what he wanted in and as his life. He realized that the relationship he was in was no longer in line with his magnificent life, and he ended it. Who would have ever thought that someone who experienced a lifetime of rejection and heartbreak would have the nerve to be on the other side? After the breakup, there was a summer of clarity and reflection like he'd never experienced before. He put all that he had absorbed from learning the secret and put the law of attraction to work. He made a list of 19 traits he wanted in his ideal partner. He noted the list in his journal and went on with his life. Within 90 days, he met his ideal partner. Their love story is as true and destined as any could be. After they moved in together, he went back to his box of journals, and the journal that lay right on top was the journal from the summer. He opened it. And the bookmark was on the very page where he had made his list of 19 traits and he want, that he wanted in his ideal partner. And lo and behold, his new partner matched every single request. They married a year later and have been happily married since. In addition to all of that, this chubby, orange-haired, crooked-toothed, pale child had grown into a handsome, strawberry blonde with flawless skin and perfect teeth. People still stare at him. And he has determined that he is so unique and always has been and is always going to stick out that he decided to own it. His life keeps getting better and better, but how does he keep doing this? How does he keep making his life exactly as he wants it to be? He has found true love. He has transformed his body to be one that is healthy and while still under construction, looks a lot better than it used to when it was hovering around 300 pounds. He has freedom. <clears throat> He travels the world. He has a great family life. He has wonderful close friends. He has a beautiful home in a beautiful neighborhood, is an entrepreneur, and has forgiven every single source of wrongdoing that could have ultimately destroyed him in his younger years. So what makes him successful? He decided to be. He simply decided to be. He lives in his head. He understands that the only one who has any control over the life he leads is him. Other people may take issue with what he does or choices he makes, but their issues affect them. Their issues have nothing to do with him and what he thinks. His job is to think only of what he wants and then to follow the paths that are laid in front of him by the universe to follow with trust that they lead him with exact precision to where he wants to be, to see what he wants to see to experience 
what he wants to experience. When someone has a driving force, a burning fire, a raging desire to do anything, motivation is present, and motivation creates the ultimate. Motivation is not just short-term. There are both short-term and long-term motivators, but their duration lasts intermittently in order to further the vision along to the ultimate manifestation. Being successful is being humble enough to admit when you're wrong. The beautiful part about being wrong is that when the emotion or offense has been removed, there is clear evidence of what was right. And if one's mind is open, they can see that it's not about a damaging of pride. It's about learning. You never lose. You either win or you learn. The story that I've shared with you today is a powerful story. It's a true story. It's a story of overcoming obstacle after obstacle just to get by, just to survive. It's a story that shows the transformation of just trying to get by to living with intention each and every day. It shows an immense amount of strength, willpower, perseverance, determination, resistance, commitment, self-empowerment, love, and is a literal example of try, try, try again. I hope you have found this story to be inspiring and motivating and to take a good look at yourself, what you want in and as your life, and that you remember that your life is 100% up to you. So make it ultimate. Thank you for being with me today for this special half-hour episode with the Ultimate Motivator. Join me next week on Monday at 10 at the Center of Gratitude for a more than Valentine's Day version of Relationships with Gratitude where I will discuss the reciprocal effectiveness of gratitude in the various relationships that make up our lives. From romantic to personal, professional, I'll teach you how and why to spread the love just in time for Valentine's Day.